Well, uh, please join uh, me in opening your Blue Bibles to Psalm 27, which will be uh, shown on the screen behind me or found on page 550. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in a shelter of, shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, see his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn away your, from your servant in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So, what is it that most captures our attention? What holds your focus more than anything else? Now, I'm not, I'm not asking that because I'm already worried that you've lost your focus, you're not listening to me right now. Um, I know the easiest way to grab your attention again, if you're here last week, I did the kids' talk, all I have to do is slap on a toga and we're all good. Um, although I received some feedback from that and I do need to apologise, apparently the toga wasn't quite long enough and yeah, I showed a bit too much leg. That was unintentional. Next time, I'll tell my toga maker to add the extra length, uh, you know, like a wedding toga, not a nightclub toga. <laughs> so what is it actually that does hold our attention and our focus? What is it for you? Maybe you're a mad keen sports fan. You're enthralled by your team grabbing a victory and snatching it from the jaws of defeat. Perhaps you love stories of personal achievements, or maybe you're a sucker for romance movies, those two people who are perfect for each other and end up together. Maybe you're a thrill seeker, or maybe it's your work that is just so enjoyable and so rewarding that you're thinking about it even now. You could be a socialite, and for better or worse, you end up just replaying in your mind those conversations that everyone else has long forgotten. Have a think about it for a sec. What's your passion? What really digs at you and grabs your attention? 
I'd ask you to call them out, but maybe some of us wouldn't be so honest if everyone knew that, you know, uh, if everyone around you was going to hear what you're going to say. So instead of that, uh, I'll ask us to look back at the Psalms again. And as you read Psalm 27, or hear it read, you do get a sense for David's true passion. It's not war, it's not power, or sex, or money, or food. His passion is for God. That's who he thinks about. God is the object of his attention in the psalm, despite the clutter of circumstances surrounding him. Now, the psalms are like the songbook of the Bible. So, instead of preaching to you, I've prepared a song. No, not really. <laughs> that wouldn't go well. Uh, you're all breathing a sigh of relief, I'm sure. Yeah, especially Matt, who's wondering what he's get, got himself into by letting me preach while he's been away. All jokes aside, though, it is actually really difficult to, to get David's main point and his passion uh, from this psalm just by hearing me talk about it from the platform. I mean, it's a bit like trying to take a catchy melody like Hakuna Matata from the Lion King movie, and then me just explaining to you what Timon and Pumbaa's problem-free philosophy is actually all about. And my apologies if you hear nothing else from the sermon now because that's going around in your head, you know. Anyway, uh, you see what I'm saying, though? I can explain a song to you, but it's not going to stick in your head in the same way. So in an effort to sort of get around that a little bit, um, I thought I'd just read through it. We'll read through the first half again to get it in our heads. And I'll encourage you to just keep your Bibles open the whole time um, so you can keep referring back to it yourself. So Psalm 27 from the start. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he'll keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me up high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. So David's passion for God is shown by the trust in God that he's describing here despite his troubles. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, you might be thinking, who is this David we're talking about? Well, feel free to catch up with those talks online. But uh, yes, this is the, the same David from David and Goliath. That's a story very familiar to a lot of us. And also, David has been anointed king, despite there being the current king, King Saul, because Saul has been opposing God in everything that he uh, is doing. Naturally, there's a bit of a conflict between David and Saul, but David does end up becoming king. 
So he's a guy who's gone through a lot. And in fact, he ends up penning more of the Psalms than any other known author. So if you think now about how David says, though an enemy besiege me, my heart shall not fear, in verse 3, it's not like David is speaking empty words here. Last week, we literally saw David attacked by Saul as he tried to pin him to the wall with a spear. This Saul who was the same, king of Israel. It's only a few chapters after that, in 1 Samuel 23, that David is on one side of a hill and Saul and his army is pursuing him on the other side. And in fact, David is only just saved in the nick of time as a messenger comes and tells Saul that the Philistines are attacking Israel in another area and so Saul has to withdraw to go fight them. David was literally surrounded by his enemies and this wasn't the only time it happened in the Bible. So David's words here that God is his stronghold, they're not empty or poetic license here. He has felt the full force of this. God, his light. God, his salvation. This is why his heart doesn't fear in front of an army. He's confident that they're the ones who are going to fall because God is his stronghold. Maybe you could see it like this. Is anyone here afraid of heights? Yes, a few people. All right, sensible. Um, If you're like, I'm fine with heights. Heights are great. Clearly, you've never been up very high before. And um, fear of heights is actually really good for humans. It stops us from doing really dumb things like jumping off huge trees or cliffs. Or, you know, it prevents serious injuries and death, basically. So why is it then, when I pick up my little kids and I throw them up in the air above my head... Why do they laugh instead of screaming? Sure, maybe they love the rush of the wind, seeing the world from up high and then falling down again. But it's not that. It's because they know for sure, they're 100% certain that I'm going to catch them. Because I always do. So far. (laughs) You see, if you're supremely confident in someone... You're calm, even in the most precarious circumstances. And if this is true for how we trust other fallible humans, how much more of the God who is our light and salvation? You see, David gets this. And we actually heard it in the sermon last week from, from Jack Hamer. It was a terrific sermon, and I encourage you to go and look it up if you haven't already heard it. And he said this, he said, You can put yourself through a lot of pain in this present life if there's a greater reality driving you. And David here is exemplifying this. He's not worried about how things are going to turn out, even in the most terrifying situations, being literally surrounded. And David here in this psalm, he doesn't stop at just trusting in God. We see in verse 4, If it were up to David, he would spend all his days in the house of the Lord, in the temple, gazing on his beauty, being enamored with the goodness of God. And at the end of verse 6, he wants to sing and make music to the Lord. Let's look at the rest of the psalm and uh, see how he continues. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, 
seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Don't reject me or forsake me, God my saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Don't turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You see David again saying his commitment to seeking God. His heart wants to seek his face. So that's what he's going to do. And we'll talk about that idea of seeking his face in a minute. But first, you might have noticed something in this second half here that seems a little bit off. I mean, we don't usually say things like, don't reject or forsake me to God in the end of verse 9. Well, maybe we should remember where David is and what's been happening. We saw in, in uh, the 1 Samuel series that just because David was chosen as king doesn't mean he's automatically accepted by God because Saul, who was the king of Israel, chosen before David, he presumed that and then did all sorts of things against God and was rejected by him. So David must be very acutely aware if God wants to reject him as king, he easily could. Maybe it's like being uh, promoted to being the boss after the last one got fired uh, for going against the CEO. It's clear you, you can't just do whatever you want. And yet you see here that David is still uh, proclaiming in faith that God is with him. So there is a difference here for us. So that's David's psalm. But you'll notice that not many of our songs that we sing reflect this idea of asking God not to turn his face away from us and not rejecting us as this psalm does. Now, why is that? Well, maybe you'll recognize these lyrics from a song of the not-too-distant past. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. That's from the song, How Deep the Father's Love. So you, you see, we do actually sing of this idea of rejection by God, but we're not asking like David was, that God not reject us. We're thanking God that through Jesus, he has accepted us. David's prayer in this psalm is answered that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are accepted. So this is also Jesus' psalm. And that's not the only part of this psalm that points us to Jesus. If you have a look through again, uh, verse 14, wait for the Lord. We know that in Jesus, the Lord has come. The waiting, in a major sense, is over. Why do you think we're so joyful at Christmas? Or at least, supposed to be joyful. The Lord was David's light and salvation, but we see this most fully in Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Likewise, Jesus is our salvation. In fact, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, David's prayers here are answered. David also wants to, like I said before, gaze on the beauty of the Lord in his temple. And we see when Jesus dies, the temple curtain is torn so that now all have access to God, not just the priests who work in the temple. So all of these issues of David that were stitched together, they're now held tightly in Jesus' grasp. He's got us. The Apostle Paul elaborates on this idea in light of what Jesus has done, and he says in uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 37 to 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither, de- neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, I know I used the example earlier of, you know, the kids trusting me when I threw them up in the air and loving it all along. Now, while I think, you know, I'm pretty good at doing that, throwing them up in the air and catching them, I've never made a mistake so far. There is always a small chance I could make a mistake because I am fallible. So how confident do you have to be to say something like, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ah, that is a huge statement. So I was trying to think of an example that's even, even better, something, something more completely trusted, because, I, like, I'm trustworthy, but, you know, not that trustworthy. Um, <laughs> something that no, there will be no doubt about, continue to happen no matter what, And the only thing I could think of was gravity itself. Nothing, no powers we can conceive of in this world can stop gravity. Sure, you can push against it, but one thing that you know is every time you jump up, you're going to fall back down. Surer than you know you're going to eat today. Now that is the level of certainty that we have that Jesus has his people Now, thinking about it that way, circle back to the start of the psalm and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? How much more confidence and power can you see in those words now? Can you see how David's limited understanding of this is so utterly completed by Jesus? So we've seen now how Psalm 27 is David's psalm and also how Jesus reflected through it as well. But in what way is this our psalm? Short of us now standing and singing it together in church, what should this psalm evoke in us and stir in us? Well, one of the great things about the psalms is there's certain part of the psalms that will likely hit you at certain times of life. So for example, the Lord is my light and my salvation could be a phrase to cling on to as you go through times of trial in life. Perhaps it's the victory declared in verse 6 that will resonate with you 
can think of celebrating before God about the great things that have happened. Maybe today you've seen this psalm in a new light, and you never realized before how Jesus himself stares at us through this, even though it was written about a thousand years before Jesus. Maybe it's the end, verse 14, that stands out to you, that you feel with a keenness wanting Jesus to come back to right the wrongs of the world, longing for everything to be fulfilled. So being called to wait upon the Lord is just what you need to hear. Maybe you will go away from this and think, well, maybe if I did sing this psalm, it might help me to remember it and the truths in it. And we're going to be singing in our song after this some, some of this psalm. Um, if you're here today and you haven't yet taken the steps to follow Jesus, we're really happy you're with us. And uh, I know some of this might seem a bit strange. The whole idea of singing together is a, is a bit weird. Um, uh, the only times we really sing corporately outside of church is, you know, when our footy team wins or we're singing the national anthem at some special event or singing happy birthday to someone who really doesn't want it. But hopefully you'll see that while, you'll see why those of us who follow Jesus want to sing to him, gather together and sing to him every week for all the good he's done for us, that we can trust him in good times and in terrible times. In fact, God has been so trustworthy and so good to all his people, despite the worst of times that from King David's time 3,000 years ago, right up until today, there have been people singing reading and memorizing this very psalm. God is their light. I mean, <clears throat> ask any Christian, and they'll tell you that their favorite moments in life are when God's light is shining brightest through them. And hopefully you can see how inspiring it is that David here is so driven by his passion for the Lord that it gets him through these dark times. So I would encourage you to investigate Jesus, the Jesus who is our salvation. And for those of us who already follow Jesus, maybe I can ask of you, what does it mean to seek his face? When was the last time that your heart and your mind were consumed by God as David is here? Maybe it was you were thinking over his goodness to you and you were overwhelmed with gratefulness. Or perhaps you were having such a hard time that you had nowhere else to turn. Now, I'm not saying we can replicate these feelings whenever we like, but if you happen to notice that those times happen more often when you spend time in his word, or maybe when you go to a Christian conference with some close friends, or even just having 10 minutes in the day to write down your prayers, then maybe it's time to start doing some of those things again. Now, I'll be the first to say that I find these things hard. Uh, my ideal of a comfortable, peaceful, personal quiet time every morning or night has gone out the window while I have four small kids. But it also means I don't never do it, and it doesn't mean I don't keep trying. 
even if the kids are pestering me and I read the same verse again for the fifth time as they're playing before breakfast, at least they're learning what it looks like to be a Christian as an adult. Even if I fall asleep while I'm trying to pray because I'm exhausted, at least I'm thinking about God's will for my life as I go to sleep. And even if I make it only to one session of that conference, at least I'm still making the effort to want to grow. You see, knowing as David does that the Lord is your light and your salvation doesn't just happen because you're a Christian. David longs to be away from his troubles, that he might spend all of his days with God. But his reality is that he's hemmed in by his enemies at that time. However, it's true that the more time you spend with Jesus and in his word, the more you will trust and love him. Then, though an army besiege you, your heart will not fear. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus, our light and our salvation. Thank you that through him, we see answers to David's longings in this psalm. Help us to seek you every single day that our passions would be wholly about you. Please let us find refuge in singing to you, in reading your word and in prayer. Prepare us for the inevitable hard times of life that no matter what, we wouldn't be afraid because you are our light and our salvation. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.